Towards the end of Hebrews, and would you look at Hebrews 11 with me? Before I begin, I, I want to point to two things from the bulletin, a worship folder that you got in. The back of the worship folder should have an outline for my sermon to help guide you th- to either take notes or follow along. And then secondly, you should have a sheet of paper, a little card just like this. We'll have them provided also out in the hall. Uh, upcoming sermons, this is what we're calling our sermon card, and we produce these every four months. As the Lord wills, these are going to be the next four months of sermons in order for you to know what we're preaching on, not for you to select which ones to come to. All. You need all ten commandments. Um, you need the word and prayer and you need Jesus. And so, but, but for you to prepare your hearts and to pray. And, and I, I, I thank God for the sufficiency of His Word, and I pray that that would be of good use. Put that in your Bible. Use it as a bookmark. Use it as a prayer mark to, to, to help you pray and prepare for the gathering each Sunday. Faith. I want to talk about faith this morning from Hebrews 11. If you're going to talk about faith, that's a good place to start. Here are ways I need faith. I, Pastor Daniel, need faith on a regular basis. I need faith to see all those who are around me, whether they be church members or non-members, including unbelievers. I need them, those at the restaurant and store and neighborhood and YMCA, as people made in God's image, put across my path, by a really wise God, used by a good God to work and shape in my life through my interaction with them, to bring growth to me as well, to bless me and test me, and for me to be put into their lives to see my relationship, for them to see my relationship with God lived out, and what will they see about my relationship with Christ? And even if they hate or reject me, how will I respond? I need faith to handle these relationships. And my guess is you do too. I need faith to be generous and not stingy or anxious or miserly or too money conscious in my giving to the church and missionaries and friends and family and those in my life to the poor and to needy so that I can actually reflect the love, the generosity, care, kindness of God the Father towards me in Christ Jesus. I need to trust His care for me so that I'm secure enough to be really risky with my money, to give as He wants me to give. And I need faith to minister faithfully as your pastor And as a father to my five kids, I I need to believe that faithful, sincere prayer for you and my kids really matters even when it doesn't feel like it's working. I need to believe that he hears me, and I need 
that, that my work as a preacher and as a discipler and as a teacher and as a shepherd and as a parent, I have to have faith to believe that all those things, the Monday, Monday morning, regular routines or Sunday morning when it feels empty here makes a difference because God is at work even behind the scenes. I need faith for that to not give up, get discouraged or be frustrated. Can you apply that to your life? And I need faith to believe that the praise or approval or the good favor of people means nothing in comparison to the favor, the pleasure, the praise of God towards me in my life. I need to value God's praise more than your praise or my wife's or my kids' or a stranger that I'll never see again, or a Facebook friend, or social media approval. I need faith to prioritize the spiritual over the comfortable. I need faith to believe that God is good and wise in every moment of my life, even when I'm hurting, or when someone's hurting me. What about you? What do you need faith for? I know that my, my brother-in-law, Bjorn, who was diagnosed at 34 years old with cancer, and they don't know what's going to happen. I know him and Kendall, his wife, they need faith. And, and God is helping them have faith to be able to go in and face chemo and stem cell um, treatments and all these things and saying, I have a God who's watching over me, and whether I live or I die, I am the Lord's, and He will take care of me and my children. That takes Faith, they need faith. What do you need faith for? Do you need more faith in God this week or this year so that you won't cheat at work or compromise your testimony even if it's what's supposed to happen in your job and you'll rub the boss a wrong way and you'll miss a promotion if you do it, but fearing God means something different. Do you need more faith in God so that you'll have the type of Christian testimony to your friends on your Discord server while you play Minecraft, young men? Or at school? Or on Snapchat? Or in the youth group? Or on a sports team? Or with the music or a concert or a choir? Or wherever you are? Do you need more faith? Do you need more faith in God to see that God is at work using you as you change diapers? Or pay the bills? And you see God as the rewarder of those who faithfully seek Him. And that all done in the name of Christ is really going to be worth it. Where do you need faith this year, this week? How about the holidays? The handling of the pressures? Here's, here's my main point as we get into the text. Faith Church, brothers and sisters... Or if you're not yet a brother or sister because you're not saved, I pray that you'll prioritize the flourishing of your faith in God. When I say flourishing, it's like you can see something that the opposite of flourishing is withering, dying, dead. Flourishing is coming to life, being roused, strengthened, ignited. I challenge you, I call you to, because I believe the text calls us to, to prioritize 
make decisions to prioritize the, the, the energizing, the flourishing of your faith in God. And I want to do that by focusing on one verse, then examples in chapters 11 with two men, one couple, and a bunch of godly dead people who are now in heaven. And I want to ask this question, what does living by faith in God look like in your home? Look like to you? Look like at work and at school and in your hobbies and in your pleasures? What does it look like at Faith Church, in your church life, in your commitments, your family life and money, your health and trials? What does it, do, what does it mean to prioritize the flourishing of your faith in God? Here, here are four things I want us to see, and we're going to see them in the text of one verse, Hebrews 11.6. And I want you to see this. Faith is a necessity. It's in your outline. Faith is a necessity. Faith is spiritual sight. Faith is hope and reward. And faith is about a relationship with God. You can see the verse. It's on the screen. But I would invite you to turn to Hebrews 11, verse 1 through 6, but we're going to focus on verse 6. But I'm going to read 1 through 6. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old, and especially the Old Testament he's referring to, by faith they received their condemnation, their commendation, their praise, their reward, their encouragement. We understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen, everything that's seen, was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because he had, God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Now, let's zero in on verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he, that's God, exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Say it one more, let me read it one more time. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Oh, Father, do what I can't do right now. Would you, by your spirit, help us to have faith have eyes to see spiritual realities, to see you, God, as the rewarder, and see that the greatest reward is you. And it would remove us to boldness and sacrificial love and joy and peace and hope and power that only comes from you. Help us. Help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Here are four things that I see in this text. First, faith is a necessity. 
Do you see how faith is a necessity in verse 6? Do you see the necessity, how necessary it is? Because without faith, you can't please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith is necessary to please God. We were made to need to have the pleasure of God, our maker, and God, the only true life-giving father. And if you are a Christian today, because you have been born anew through the living and abiding word that God provided for you in the gospel, if you are a Christian, there has come into your life a seed of faith, at the very least, that you desire to please him. Not just please him so you can just get something on the other end. He's a genie to you and you can get the wishes he would give you. And this passage says, without faith, you can't please him. Faith is absolutely necessary to our lives. There's nothing more important than to please God. And without faith, we can't please him. And for those who are children of God, we will desire and yearn for that. Sadly, we are often wired way too often to want to please strangers that we've never met and will never see again, or our spouses, or our children, or our bosses, or our coworkers, or our peers, more than we want to please God. In fact, the person that we want to please more than anything often, than any of those other things, is ourself. Than to please God. And I want to argue, and this passage argues, that faith is necessary if we are going to have a whole different way of life. Faith is necessary in the book of Hebrews to receiving the good news and being saved. Hebrews 4.2 says, The good news did not benefit some people because they heard it, but it was not united by faith in God. If you're saved, it's because you believed and you had faith, a certain kind of faith where you trusted in God, the same kind of faith that verse 6 is talking about. And it is through faith that we inherit the promises. In chapter 6, verse 12, he says, I desire that you do not shrink back, but have, are, are like those who with faith and patience inherit the promises. And we gather on Sundays and we gathered during the week and we should open our Bibles and we should seek the Lord and pray and we draw near to God, Hebrews 10.22 says, through faith, through a full assurance of faith. And Habakkuk, we saw in November, and in chapter 10, verse 38, is a quotation of Habakkuk. We are reminded that the righteous... God's people live by faith. They get life by faith and are saved by faith, and they keep living by faith. Faith is how we are preserved, chapter 10, verse 39. And faith is necessary to live the lives that God intended for you and I to live. God intends for you and I to live to the world some really crazy, such a way that it it doesn't make sense unless there is a God who is invisible, who has revealed himself to this work, in, in this book and has impacted our lives. And God's word and God's will and God's presence should be the only explanation for such crazy lives that we live. 
because we believe God and we see things that he allows us to see from his word that unless he gives it to us, we can't see. We call it faith. Faith is necessary. And if you believe the Bible, even if you don't understand all of it, you must know that you need faith. I just want to say this. If you have never been born again, I pray that God would grant you the faith to see God's word in a new light and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. There is the, that is the beginning of the spiritual sight that I'm going to talk about that I just pray that God would give you for 2020 and at the end of 2019 at Christmas season and that you'll see Jesus in a whole new way and, you're going to, and you'll have faith. Faith is necessary. Without faith, you'll go to hell. Without faith, you will not keep going on and live the life that God has called you. Without faith, you will never please God. Do you, do you get the message there? That's just point number one. Faith is necessary. And if anything, I hope you go, well, then I better prioritize it. it faith is more important than your, your retirement. Faith is more important than your kids. But your kids are really important. You don't have to choose. I'm not saying that. But faith is vital for your kids and for your marriage and for your life and your well-being. You need faith. That's point one. And I hope you see it there. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, so you better care about faith. Number two, faith is a spiritual sight. Once you see that, faith is a spiritual sight. See verse six, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. Now, this verse doesn't spend a lot of time focusing on the spiritual sightness of faith, but I want to show, I want to make an argument. I want you to think of faith through the eyes of seeing, but seeing in a spiritual way. Imagine you, you're, you just can't see anything, and then you put these glasses on, and through the glasses you see what you never could see, and those, let's just use that. Those glasses are the sight that I'm talking about, and we're going to say spiritual faith is spiritual sight. This passage says it believes that God exists, but God is invisible. Has anyone in this room ever seen him visibly? I don't think so. You would perish at his glory. But we believe him. Not one of us has ever seen Jesus in physical, in physical form. The promises, the miracles in the Bible, they require a spiritual sight. Whoever would draw near to God, they must believe that he exists. And in this verse, faith requires the believing that God truly exists. Do you believe he exists? And do you believe he's here right now? When, when I prayed and with Lee, when Lee prayed, did you pray? Are you praying right now? He's here. He exists. And he's going to go home with you today. He, he's there when you sin. And he's there when you, when you have victory. And he's there when you take a, a small step of obedience. He's there. He exists. Faith requires the spiritual sight. And I'm just saying a spiritual, let's use different words, awareness of God. See, see verse 1. Look at verse 1 of chapter 11. Faith, it's the conviction or the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction 
of things not from God that you just don't see I am? And I'll tell you this, when, you, when you're convicted, though I would say there is, there is tangible historical proof of Jesus and the miracles, and you could, you could look at witnesses and all of that, and I praise God for that, and it strengthens my faith. But the reality is, it is a miracle that we can bank our lives on God and Jesus And it's the miracle of God's grace working in our lives. We call it the new birth and the work of the Holy Spirit keeping us spiritually alive. Faith is spiritual sight that says we believe in the things that we do not see, verse 1. Faith believes what we don't see visibly, where the world goes, huh? Everything seen was made by things, verse 2, not visible. Everything in this world was made by things not visible. Faith sees things differently and it reasons differently. All based on a relationship with God and the word that God promised to us. So that Paul can encourage other believers, including you and me, and he can go through life experiences where he is almost going to be killed and then he finally dies a martyr, Paul the Apostle. And he writes to the Corinthians and says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self, our bodies are, they're wasting away. But our inward self is being renewed day by day for this, my affliction, he said, which was terrible. He, he was stoned. He was beaten. He was, he was imprisoned many times and starved and exposed to frigid temperatures. He said, these light and momentary afflictions They're just light and momentary. They're working. He says they're light in comparison. They're eternal. He says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they're temporary or transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Faith sees the unseen. Oh, I just pray that you'll grasp a category this week, today, this year of seeing the unseen in your life, the unseen in the trials, the unseen in your Monday, everyday duty that you're supposed to do and do faithfully for the glory of God. You'll see the unseen. You'll see God there. there, God exists and he's watching. And I want him more than anything in his approval. And that's why Paul would write the next chapter, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, first 6 and 7. We're always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. You see? You see, he connects it. We walk by faith, spiritual sight, not by human sight. That's the only hope of the Christian life done, is through faith, this kind of faith that knows it's necessary and desires to please God and understands its spiritual sight. Oh God, give us spiritual eyes to see you, God, see Jesus, not just in a manger, but on the cross and raised and up in heaven and our sovereign Lord and interceding for us and never leaving us or forsaking us and being a God that can raise the dead. So you tell us to do something, we might die for it. We, we say, But I believe on him. I see the unseen.
Faith is a spiritual sight. Do you see it? And number three, it hopes in a reward. It hopes in a reward. See that? For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards. Not only faith does faith see the invisible God, faith believes that the invisible God makes promises and rewards those who seek him. We do not merit our salvation or God's good favor to us. That is a unique thing. It's not, we don't merit it. It is all grace from God. Humbly, with empty hands, come to him and says, I am broken, I am needy, I need your help every day of my life. Help me to see what you need, what you need me to see. I am yours. And if we do that, it is because he has energized and helped and moved our hearts and our hands and our kneeling and our living and our trusting and our praying. He doesn't say, here you go, here's your wages, you've earned my favor but he is the rewarder of those who seek him. And oh, may we seek him with all our heart as a rewarder. We're going to see in chapter, we see in chapter 10, verse 32. If you were to look there, you'd see that these Christians in the book of Hebrews, they had a hope of a reward and they had a spiritual sight. They showed compassion on Christian prisoners, knowing that, by helping these Christian prisoners, it would very likely lead to the confiscation of their own homes and properties. So here's the testimony that happens. This is what Hebrews 10.34 says, you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. I mean, how many of you could joyfully accept the, prop, joyfully accept the, the, the plundering of your, all of your possessions? I mean... Maybe you could do it with, with a stoical kind of, okay, I'm going to do it, but it's really bad. Pray for me. This didn't say that. It said they joyfully, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. And here's the reason. They had spiritual sight and they looked to the rewarder. Since you knew, you knew. How'd they know? Spiritual sight. They had a better possession and an abiding one. I wonder if as their possessions were being burned or taken away and they come back to their empty house, they rejoiced and said, it reminds me that to here is the best is yet to come and heaven is my home and I'm looking to a better possession and an abiding one. I'm looking to a city whose builder and maker is God. Faith looks to the reward. Are you looking to the reward? I want us to see it in a few examples in just a minute. But lastly, will you see number four, faith requires a relationship with God. Faith You cannot please God and you can't see God and see spiritual sight like this. And you cannot look to God as a rewarder and actually him as the greatest reward possible unless you have a relationship with him. And I, I'm not talking about the fact that you think about the fact that you've been born anew and it's transformed your life and you love him and you want to know him and you want to follow him. You want him. And, and, and there's far too often we want me, or yourself, and we want other things, but, but by God's grace, you start to want him for him's sake. That's a relationship. If I just wanted my wife Molly for my sake, we don't have a relationship. But I love her. I, 
I want her, but I love her. She's, she's mine. I love my children, not just for what they give me, but because they're mine and I have a relationship with them and I delight in them. And so God brings us into a fatherly relationship. Jesus, our brother and our king and our Lord. And that's the foundation so that we actually can see the promises of God and go, they're believable because I know him. He does raise the dead. He does keep his promises. He draws near to me. He comforts me. He speaks to me in his word. I know him and I'm, I've met him and I've, I've, I've seen him day after day, little by little in this book. And I've heard him and I've seen him answer prayer. He is my God. Faith requires a relationship. And I see that in at least two ways. It says they draw near to God. This passage says you draw near to God. This is an idea of you're drawing near and you're going after him. And, you're, and, the, and it ends with he rewards those who seek him. This isn't pray to prayer. I got a contract fulfilled. He's going to take care of my salvation. I'm glad that's taken care of, but we'll see in heaven, God. It begins a life-giving relationship where we grow to know him. If you're going to prioritize the flourishing of your faith, fundamental to that is the prioritizing of a relationship with this God through Jesus Christ in this book. And it could be that that relationship will begin today if you will but bow the knee, at least figuratively, spiritually, confess your sins, ask him to save you, and to be your Savior and Lord. And I invite you to that. Faith, may it flourish in our lives. And when it flourishes in our lives, it takes place, and it, takes, it brings a grace in our lives. And oh, that we would deeply desire to please God and live with an assurance of what He has promised and believe in Him. As we grow to do this, we grow to know his character, his ways, and his goodness. We believe, he believe, he works all things together for good. And we believe that he is looking out for our good. And we know that ways are mysterious for God. We don't know. Sometimes things are very difficult, but we still trust him. And we grow to know that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. I want to finish this time by just pointing to you a few examples from the Bible because they illustrate these truths. Would you... We're going to stay right in chapter 11, and I want you to first see Noah, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, couldn't see it visibly, in reverent fear, Noah constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. You see the faith in Noah? There were unseen things. He couldn't see that. He had to just believe and take God's word for it that a flood was coming and he was going to judge the world. And he had to choose, am I going to listen to this, what's going to seem really crazy to the world, and believe this invisible God and, and this invisible reality doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And trust him and obey him. And in so doing, I'm condemning the world. And he, he believed. What unseen things in your life do you need to see through the eyes of faith? And you need God to help you see. Where at work or school or at home or with your technology or your leisure, do you need to say, 
boy, everything in my flesh says I see these things as enjoyable. But they, they keep me from enjoying God. I need to take away, the, I need to push those to the side, and I need to prioritize the unseen, which is God, even if it means condemning the world. It means taking a stand at work and doing the right thing. It means not plunging into that illicit relationship that would be so destructive that my flesh would so desperately want. Or the pornography that is just so tempting. Look at these examples throughout chapter 11. Will you look with me at Abraham and Sarah, a married couple? The faith that we have is the faith of Abraham, according to Romans 4. There's two examples, or three examples in this passage. First, their going out was faith. Sarah's pregnancy required faith, and offering Isaac as a sacrifice. You can read about these in the book of Genesis, but you can read a summary, a theological summary in this, these verses. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. When he was called to go out to a place that he wanted to receive, he went to live in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that had foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham, God says, go. What? Where? Why? It's not going to be comfortable, but go and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make a nation. I'm going to bless the world because of you. And he believes. Where does God call us to act and obey? Where it will cost us comfort, security, having the control of things. Maybe it's how we give. It's how we give of our time, how we share our possessions, how we prioritize our lives, how we view our friends. He believed God. And it says because he was looking to a city whose builder and maker was God. We, we need to really, all in our lives, wherever it is, if you're, if you're 14 or 44 or 94 or anywhere in between, we need to say where in our lives are the things of this world that are just glaring at us and they, they, they're good things maybe even, and some of them are bad things obviously that, that we know we need to stay away from, but good things... That, that are still keeping us from seeing that God is our great city, our treasure, what we were meant to live for. And those things could be reminders of him, like the presence is a gift to us, but they can all so easily become substitutes in which we love and delight in, rather than the giver of all things, the one who will save our souls. We won't even remember our presence a year from now. Maybe Sarah was pregnant. She's like in her 90s. And God said, you're going to have a baby who's going to be like a father of all the nations. In verses 11 and 12, it says that she considered God faithful who had promised. God made a promise. He's going to reward. She trusted in God. And it says she believed. It says in Romans 4.18 that the two of them were promised this. And that no unbelief made them waver concerning the promise of God, but they grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. 
This kind of faith says, the world doesn't make it look possible, but God can do it. God is in charge. Jesus is in control, not the president, not a Congress or anything else. Jesus is. And we live by Abraham offered Isaac in verses 17 through 19, and of course in the book of Genesis. And it says that he did not withhold his own son, even though he could have said, but God, you must have been mistaken. You told me to sacrifice my son on an altar and kill him, but you said Isaac is the, sacri- is, is the promised child. Doesn't make sense. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to wait. No, instead, this is how faith that sees spiritually and believes in a rewarder said. It says, he believed that he could raise him from the dead, verse 19. He considered that God was even able to raise from the dead, which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. He just said, well, God told me to do it, so if I kill him, then I guess God will raise from the dead. See, that's what faith, as we grow to know God, it reasons that way. It it learns to reason like that. God, you told me to do this, and whether it seems crazy or not, I'm going to give this. I don't know how I can pay my bills this month, or I don't know how I'm going to be able to enjoy these things, or anything like that, but God... You're better. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to give to that needy person because their need is greater than mine. I'm going to love them. I don't, I don't know how they're going to get saved, but you told me to, to share the love of Jesus with them. And so I'm going to draw near and build a relationship, even though it's so uncomfortable because I'm looking to the reward. And you loved me so much that you sent somebody into my life. This. We're not going to spend much time on there. Moses, by faith, he refused. Verse 24, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Do you see faith's sight there? He he says, yes, the sight says being in Pharaoh's household and all the riches is better than being with a bunch of slaves in Egypt. Faith said, Not at all. It is greater treasure. It is better to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting. Faith says it's fleeting, but God is lasting. Sin goes away and leaves us empty, but Jesus is forever. Oh God, that's why every day we need to go to God's word and and help us to believe what's true, but everything in this world tells us the opposite, it seems like. And you you could read through the end of the chapter, and you're going to see verses 32 and following. What more can I say? I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to conclude. What more can I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephna and David and Samuel, so read the Old Testament for faith and for faith and promises of God. Who through faith they conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Now it could sound like a health, wealth, Prosperity gospel right there. If you believe God, he's going to conquer kingdoms and slay dragons and receive back their, their, their dead. That's it. That's faith. That's what it's going to do for you. But, it also, but then it shifts. So please look. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. 
Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins and sheeps, in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, and in the dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. And it points to, but they were looking to something better. So I say the life of faith might get you killed, but it's worth it. The life of faith might make you really physically uncomfortable, but it's worth it. It, w- it will bring victories, but it will, from the world's perspective, sometimes look really difficult, painful, impoverishing from a human level. But to those that know God and have a relationship with God, they would say, I joyfully accepted the plundering my property. I chose something so much better than the fleeting pleasures of sin. Reproach with Christ. I'll take that because he is my savior and he died and he will never leave me or forsake me. And so here's how I end. This is how, you know, how do we flourish? How does our faith flourish and we prioritize it? We, this is another sermon. But Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, look there in conclusion. Therefore, since we are so, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all those testimonies in chapter 11, they're they're watching us. He's faithful. It's worth it. Look to the reward. Look to the reward. He's the rewarder of those who seek him. Have eyes to see the city whose builder and maker is God. Since we've been surrounded by such witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so closely, clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, visible and for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. See, his spiritual eyes, he had faith, And he took the cross, seeing the joy ahead of him. And that is what we are called to do every day of our lives. Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, let us this Christmas, let us this year for the joy set before us. That is in what that he is the rewarder and he is the reward. Let us set aside sin. Let us decide things that would be substitutes and that we know just, they just deteriorate the spiritual sight and make us see all these glittery things with no sight or no, they they just fill up our appetite for other things and have no desire for the things of God. Let us cast those aside. Let's, Let's seek those things which are above and look to Jesus. Do you have a real relationship with God through Christ? Do you? That is of utmost importance. Every church is filled with members who don't have a relationship with Jesus. I pray that you'll have one today. 
Do you have a real relationship with the body of Christ, the church? We're toast without it. The, the church was last Sunday's sermon was the church is meant to be one of the means in which we feed this flourishing of faith. And we need to help each other, encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Oh, that we would seek that. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would give faith to me. And the things I began with, faith to our teenagers and faith to our little kids. I pray that you give faith to those that are in retirement and in great-grandparenting. I pray that you'd give faith to those in careers and homeschool moms and teachers here and those that are in the thick of tiring but wonderful parenting. I pray that you'd give those that are single and searching for direction or satisfied and yet seeking your will day by day, I pray that you would teach us what faith looks like. And of course, we can never have it without you. So God, give us spiritual eyes to see you as the rewarder of those who seek you and that you are the greatest reward. I pray that you'd help us to treasure the the gifts and the family and the food and the songs and the decorations, but only as pointers to the rewarder. And I pray that you would you'd bring many people to glory this year through our faith and obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's